welcome all of our campuses to week one of our brand new series called Is This the End? A study in the book of Revelation. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Man, we're excited to have everybody. So, full, let me just say this confession right here. I remember the first time I read the book of Revelation. I was a young believer, probably, oh gosh, maybe six, seven months walking with Jesus. And somebody said, you need to read the book of Revelation. I read the book of Revelation. I want to say two things. Number one, I didn't understand it. And number two, I slept with the lights on. Come on, how many know what I'm talking? I thought, my gosh, I got to get somebody to help me understand this. And then, and then the church that I went to, and I know all these funny stories. By the way, this is going to be a a very insightful series, but we're going to have a lot of fun in that. Is that all right? I I never forget the first time, probably, we used to have these Friday night things at our church, and we would have movie night. And I'll never forget when they played this movie. It was called, now if you were saved in 1987, you're going to remember this. You guys ready? Here it is. A thief in the night. Come on, how many of y'all remember that? I tell you, I'll never forget that. I, I, I went home. Man, I tell you, I, listen, that'll make you have a prayer life. Big time. Big time. Well, I want to say to all of our campuses, those that are joining us online, literally I know around the world we are so excited. I personally as a pastor am excited, but also as a Christian. I'm super excited to be kicking off a seven-week series on the book of Revelation. I believe the book of Revelation is unparalleled in the New Testament, meaning the rich imagery, the prophecies, the insight, who Christ is as the majestic king. It's so powerful. And by the way, I don't believe it's just for mature Christians. I believe as you understand this, those of you that are maybe seeking God, you're not sure about your relationship with God, this series is for you. Those of you that are just new walking with Christ, This series really is for you. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be studying each week. Yes, we are going to be downloading a bunch of charts. Got a lot of scripture, a lot of information. Go to our Church of the King app. You can get all the notes. Follow along there. The charts. I did have a couple emails. I want to say this up front as well. A couple of pastors. When you did this seven years ago, you went too fast. Open your Bible to Revelation. All right, here we go. You guys ready for this series? Say yes. I want to begin with just a few questions, and I just want to say this one time for a show of hands. How many of you would be honest enough to say whether you've walked with Jesus for one month, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, like me, over 30 years? How many would be honest enough to say that at times when you've read the book of Revelation, it caused you to question whether or not you even understood it. That's just a simple question. It's been a little bit confusing. Would you raise your hand? Okay. Matter of fact, I saw on social media, I know our church ran some ads because, you know, this is a series where I know a lot of people want to come to. And, and uh, I, I saw a lot, of, a lot of comments where, I am so glad we're doing this because I've been so confused. Matter of fact, I was a Christian. Let me say this. I was a pastor. Church of the Kings, 23 years old. Seven years ago, 23 minus 7, it was 15 years being a pastor before, I, quite honestly, I ever had the courage to even do the book of Revelation. I, and I mean that. Lots of questions, lots of opinions about it. 
And so I'm honored that you're here. I am going to say stay with me if you miss because of a football game. We have Saturday night church at a lot of our campuses. We have Sunday morning, of course, at all of them online. But this is a series to stay with us. If you're out of town, jump in, watch it online that week. The reality is we live in a culture that is very unsettled. Economically, politically, all the things that are going on in the Middle East, even this morning, I, I was in my backyard and praying, and, and I, I was looking at the news just a little bit, and, and it was interesting. I, I, I read one of the big news, uh, I won't mention what it was, but they said, they, they're, they, they're, they were in essence saying, watch for the nuclear arms race to begin again. They're concerned about Australia being bombed with a nuclear bomb by China. I thought North Korea, I'm like, why Australia? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Of course, we know what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, all the things there, Putin getting real nervous. Is he going to push the button? By the way, I'm going to be dealing with stuff. I'm going to be going for it throughout this. How many of y'all can handle me going for it throughout this series? Can you guys handle it? I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a nice pastor, but I'm also going to go for it, all right? Literally, I'm going to be talking about all kind of cultural things. Matter of fact, at seminary, Dr. Truel, New Orleans Baptist Seminary, I never forget when he said this one time. He says, he said, as a pastor, you ought to have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Now, we don't let the newspaper interpret the Bible. We let the Bible interpret the newspaper. Can I have a big amen right there? I don't go to the world. By the way, I don't go to the world to get my cues. I go to the Bible, but the Bible interprets what's going on in the world. And there's a lot of things that are happening in culture today. I was at lunch today with my dad and had a couple in our church who were so concerned about all the things and their sons in college and all these things that are going on, the things that they're teaching in textbooks in college. And we're going to get into all kinds of stuff in this series. Pastor Steve, does that have anything to do with the end times? Absolutely it does. Why study the book of Revelation? Great question. Let me give you three reasons. Number one, preparation. Everybody say preparation. As your pastor, I want you to be prepared. The Word of God gives us a picture of the times that we live in to equip us. The book of Revelation equips us, not with just information, but also, I believe, with an expectancy, a sense of faith. The whole tone of the book of Revelation, John is writing as a pastoral book, First to that first century church to give them faith to overcome in the situation that they're in. So the book of Revelation prepares us, whether you're in the first century, second century, third century, of course, even now in the 21st century. Number one, to prepare our hearts, to put faith in our hearts. My goal as a pastor is to equip you with the Bible to put faith in your heart. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Say it, the word of God. Number two. Why study the book of Revelation? Perspective. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is he who, he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. And keeps those things which are written in it. For the time is near. As you read this book you will be blessed. People more than ever are asking questions about the future. More than ever. 
Pastor Steve, do you believe that some things are lining up right now? Absolutely. Keep your eye on Israel. I'm going to talk about Israel as that nation since 1948, the prophetic time clock of God. You see it unfolding. I'm going to show you all in the Bible, book of Revelation. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. Do some in Thessalonians. You're going to see it all unfolding right before your eyes. Yes, it began unfolding first century, but it's becoming real clear, God's time clock. It gives you perspective with hope and expectancy in the return of Christ. Number three, why study the book of Revelation? It gives you peace. As a fruit of the preparation and the perspective that we gain from God's word, I believe that God empowers us with supernatural peace. That no matter what, no matter what the environment is around us, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whether you're thrown into a fiery furnace, listen, whether you're in a boat, in a store, wherever you are, if you walk with God, you can have peace, regardless of your environment. Whether it's the first century, the second century, or the 21st century. Let me give you a couple parameters to remind us in this series. I want to say a couple things. It's important to all of our locations to hear me. Very, very important. The parameters. Number one, although the book of Revelation is apocalyptic, it's future-oriented in nature, we must remember that initially John writes this to the first century church. John writes it as an encouragement to the seven churches in what we call Turkey Day, in Asia Minor in the Bible, but Turkey today, modern-day Turkey. There's seven churches. He writes it then, but it applies to us today. And I'm going to show you why. We need to also remember that the truths written to the seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, apply to us. The Bible has a transcendent power. Just like John 3.16 applied to the first century and the second century and the third century, it applies to us today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So, yes, God wrote to the first century, but it applies to us today. Number two, a second parameter. Although the book speaks of the return of Christ, very important. It is clear that no one knows the day or the time. Matthew 24, 36. But of the day and the hour, no one knows, not not even the angels of heaven, but only my Father know of the return of Christ. Now, I, I remember when I became a Christian, it was at the end of 1987. And for those of you that have been a Christian, I'm 53. There was a book right after I became a Christian called The 88 Reasons Why Jesus Was Going to Return in 1988. How many of y'all remember that if you're my age? Okay. And I'll never forget 88 Reasons. And my pastor, somebody literally, this was interesting, somebody literally uh, went, went into the church parking lot and put flyers under all of the windshields of the car, the 88 Reasons. And it was interesting. And my pastor when I made an usher go out there and remove them, and here's the reason why. Because when Jesus didn't come back in 88, then you had to put the 89 reasons the next year. And the nine. So here's the point. The moment somebody sets a date, that's not the date. Are, are you all with me? So if I come here and I set a date, you can be assured it's not the date. We can see prophecies that have clues of seasons But you can't set a date. No one knows. That's what he said. Jesus said that himself. Only the Father knows that. So I'm not going to be setting dates. 
I'm not going to be telling you that in three years of this, I'm not doing that. The Bible says don't do that. I do believe, somebody said, Pastor, do you believe that Jesus is coming back soon? I say, yes. Well, do you believe this, you know, I mean, like, is this the end times? I said, absolutely. Well, they've been saying that for generations. Well, I want to say to you, it's definitely your last days. <laughs> is that fair? Who cares if it's the last? Let me tell you, it's your last days. Your time is clicking. The hourglass has been turned over in your life. Does this make sense? So you, listen, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You need to be ready for your time. No one knows. Let me tell you, you don't know when you're going to breathe your last breath. Third parameter. The theme of the book of Revelation is regardless of the events of the end times, the theme ultimately is that Jesus reigns. And those who believe in him will overcome. The central emphasis, or what is called in theology, a chiasm. The central theme of the book is Revelation 12, 11. Here it is. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That was relevant in the first century, second century, third century, relevant today. And they overcame him, <clears throat> the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even unto the death. Let's keep in mind the heartbeat. The heartbeat of the book of Revelation is not first information. It's first encouragement, faith in the heart. Yes, we thank God for information, but it's encouragement. It's encouragement in our hearts that regardless of where we are, regardless of what happens in the Middle East, and I personally believe, and you're going to see from the Bible, I believe that things are lining up. When 1948 happened, can a nation be born in a day? Boom. The Bible asks that rhetorically. The answer is yes, Israel was. Those of you that were alive during that time, you remember that. All of us have read about it. In history since then. Number four, the fourth parameter, and then I'm going to jump into the scripture. There are godly, this is very important, I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. So the fourth parameter. Three reasons why to study the book, four parameters up front. I'm not going to do this every week. There are godly, Bible-believing men and women who have different views on how the end times events unfold. For example... Some people believe that the Bible doesn't teach a rapture. Some people believe. Now, I would say this. The majority of Bible-believing Christians believe in the return of Christ. There's no way you can read the Bible and come away with any other conclusion that Jesus is coming again a second time. By the way, he came once at his birth, but he's coming again. So, but there are some Bible-believing Christians and scholars, not all believe there's a rapture. Some believe there's a rapture and the church is raptured before the tribulation. Some believe in what's called a mid-tribulation rapture. Some kind of believe it happens together and the return of Christ. So I want to just say that. Godly people, good Christian people, all right? I will say that those that believe that Christians are going to go through the tribulation, they have the total right to believe that. They can believe that Christians are going through the tribulation and I... I want to respectfully say that I'll see them in heaven after they go through the tribulation. <laughs> but I'm going up. Come on. How many of y'all know? Now? I'm, and I say that respectfully. Now, even me saying that just located where I am theologically on that. So that's okay. So we're not, so don't send an email to your friend and say, well, if you don't believe this, you're not a Christian. 
Being a Christian, you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and trust Christ as your Savior, okay? So there are differing views, particularly as you get to Revelation chapter 4 to 22. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. All right, so four reasons why we study the book and four parameters about studying the book. In order to place the book of Revelation firmly in our minds, here's a little background, just a little bit. It is the last book of the New Testament. For those of you that maybe are new to Christianity, maybe you've not studied it before. All, I mean, it is conclusive from theologians that John, he says it himself, is the writer. John is on the Isle of Patmos, a Greek island, writing to, quote, initially the seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. I'm going to show you charts in just a moment. He writes it about 89-90 A.D. Interestingly enough... Judas committed suicide. The other ten disciples, history would say they were all martyred. John was the only one that was not martyred. Isn't that interesting? John, obviously, because of the preaching of the gospel, was exiled to Patmos. He was living under the time. There were two really wicked Roman kings or rulers or emperors. I mean, all were, but really bad. One was Nero, 64, 65 uh, AD, and then Domitian. John was living during that time, Caesar Domitian. And I'm going to tell you something, he was really wicked. Persecution had become empire-wide during John's time. So we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know why he ended up on the Isle of Patmos, but it's on this island, in essence, a penal colony for preaching the gospel where he's being punished for his faith. And it was there that Jesus appears to John. And he begins to give him the revelation. It's very, 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 very powerful. Revelation chapter 119. The book of Revelation is actually divided in three parts. This is going to really help everybody. 119. John writes, write these things which you've seen. Or Lord speaks and write these things which you've seen. Which you've seen, past tense. And the things which will take place after this. Write these things which you have seen. And the things which are, present tense, write the things which you have seen, past tense, and the things which are, are, present tense, and the things which will take place after this, future tense. I'm going to do it one more time. Revelation 1.19. Because part of the book of Revelation is writing about past tense, part of it is about present tense, and part of it's about future tense. Does that make sense? In other words, what was, what is, and what is to come. The first section, in the initial chapter, John focuses on the things that have already taken place. As John was receiving revelation, he is deeply burdened for the churches he's overseeing. And Jesus shows up on the scene with some encouragement. And the second section... Found in chapter 2 and 3, John is sharing the concerns and encouragement he received from Jesus to the seven churches. The third section is actually chapter 4 to 22, and it's about what's to come. Let me say it again. Chapter 1, that which he's seen. Chapter 2 and 3, that which is. Chapter 4 to 22, that which is to come. A lot of times we forget this about the book of Revelation, the power of the encouragement. It's very, 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 very powerful. Chapter 4 to 22, that's when we're going to get into 
Jesus is talking about the tribulation and the rapture and the battle of Armageddon, the great white throne judgment. Let me give you a little bit of timeline. I've done this chart now for seven years. You can go and download Church of the King, our app, and you can see my little charts. I know people make fun of those charts. I think they're helpful. Uh, by the way, I don't have a pointer. I'm going to do that my finger with that. But let me show you this chart when I've taught the revelation. This is, this is as I see it again. Very, very important as we're understanding the book of Revelation. We're right here. I believe the next big thing on the map, all right, is the rapture of the church. I personally believe in a rapture. I'll tell you why scripturally. Then there's a seven-year tribulation. I'm going to talk about in our series what's happening down on earth and also what's happening in heaven. Then the return of Christ, battle of Armageddon. And then I believe in a, a literal thousand-year reign of Christ, when Christ sets up his earthly realm, his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem. I'm going to talk about that. So this is a chart that we're going to refer back to over seven weeks, a very powerful chart as I see future events. Very, very important. By the way, Revelation chapter 4 to 22, we're going to talk about all the things. After we do with the seven churches, Revelation 1, what is? What's happened? Or what was? Revelation 2 and 3, message to the seven churches. What he was currently dealing with. Revelation 4 to 22, that's what we're going to deal with. The two beasts, the two witnesses, the Antichrist, the great harlot, all of those things. And all the while, Jesus is the hero of the story. Don't forget that about the book of Revelation. All the while, it's Jesus Christ, the hero of the story. They overcome who? The devil. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Don't forget that. It's Christ. It's Christ. John is our host through the book of Revelation. He gets a revelation. Jesus speaks to him. He gets a message from the Lord Revelation chapter 1, what was? Revelation chapter 2 and 3, what is? Seven messages of the church in Asia Minor, then modern-day Turkey today. Revelation chapter 4 to 22, what is to come? It's the what is to come phase where there's a lot of questions. So what are the two witnesses? What is this political leader that rises up and what, what is this Antichrist figure? And is the Antichrist alive today? And where does he come from? We're going to deal with all that. I'm going to do my best. When the book opens, we find John on the Isle of Patmos concerned for the persecuted church in Asia Minor under the rule of Roman Emperor Domitian. The situation is serious. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of persecution. John himself is exiled. By the way... You can see persecution in the gospel from the very beginning. By the way, the enemies always persecuted the people of God. Go all the way back to the Old Testament. Look at Pharaoh in Egypt. But here's the cool thing. The Bible says, as the Egyptians, the more and more that they persecuted the Israelites, the more they multiplied and became. Here's what I've found. The more that the church is persecuted, the more it rapidly multiplies and expands. Don't ever forget that. When, when the enemy would persecute the first century church in the book of Acts, all he was doing was spreading the fire of the gospel all over the world. But persecution's real. And by the way, persecution's happening all over the world. Northern Africa, northern Nigeria. I mean, how many times we, we see a church being blown up? The Middle East, North Korea, the most persecuted nation on the earth for Christians, North Korea. Even today. And even in our own nation. 
Can we preach Christ? Will there come a time when I can't say what I'm able to say? Well, Canada, you're already being persecuted for what you said. Great Britain, other places, even now. That's, it's subtle, but it's moved in. How does the church respond to that during times like that? I'm going to talk about that in this series. The Bible talks about it. Perhaps you're in the midst of a trial on a very personal level. And maybe it's with your family. Maybe that they're persecuting because of your newfound faith. Are you one of those born-agains? I'm just a lover of Jesus. I'm so glad. I, you know, it's crazy. Some people, they would rather you be in, in your old lifestyle of sin than following Jesus. Well, because when you were living in your old lifestyle of sin, you made them comfortable. You didn't bring conviction in their life. Now, all of a sudden, you're fired up serving Jesus. It convicts them of their lifestyle. That's all right. It's from the beginning. God's with you. And you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all say yes to that? You're in good company. So what do we need to know from the book of Revelation? It's not just a picture of the future, but it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. It opens up the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 to 6. John writes, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before the throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness and the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God. Isn't that powerful? Our Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So who is Jesus? Number one, he is the truth. Write this down. He is the truth. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus Christ the faithful witness. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. He is the faithful witness. The lines are being drawn, even in our culture as I speak, between righteousness and unrighteousness. Between what is true and what is a lie. By the way, it's becoming real obvious what's a lie now. It's not even subtle anymore. Psalms 88, 37, it shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness. Everybody say witness in the sky. Who is that? Jesus is genuine all the way through and through. He is the truth. The devil is the father of lies. You're going to see that. The manifestation of evil in the Antichrist is the epitome of deception and lies. It's like the consummate liar, the enemy. And on earth... The Antichrist. Consummate truth is Christ. And we should live the truth. We should walk in the truth. Truth exposes lies. Truth exposes the world's agenda. Truth exposes the competing philosophies and ideologies that are happening even today. The reality is, is Jesus Christ is the truth. The truth does not change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our world currently does not live by truth. It lives by feelings. Feelings come, feelings go. It lives by opinion polls. It lives by intuition, feelings, hunches. Well, your hunch can be wrong, and we don't live by a poll and popular opinion because we live by truth. Whether truth is popular or not popular, we don't base our life on what's popular. We base our life on what is true. We base our life on what is Christian. What is Christ-like? What does the Bible say? He is true. 
The Bible says there's coming a time where people will not pursue truth. Truth doesn't shift. Culture shifts. We live in a culture that is shifting, confused. 2 Timothy 3.1, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unforgiving, unloving. Y'all getting the picture? Beyond self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying its power. Well, I believe that Jesus is a way and maybe the best way, some would say, but not the only way. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. He's the truth. He is the truth. Man, I'm going to step on some toes these next seven weeks. Can y'all handle this? Number two, he is the life. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Jesus Christ, the firstborn from the dead. He was the first to be raised from the dead, never to die again. He defeated death. Psalms 89, 27. Also, I'll make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. So number one, he is truth, and you're going to see him as the faithful witness all through the book of Revelation. What you're going to see in the book of Revelation is you're going to see a contrast between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness that epitomizes, the, watch this, the conflict is truth and lies. Life and death. Number three, he is the king of kings. We see this in Revelation over and over, many times just in the first chapter. He is the king who was. He is the king who is. He is the king who is to come. Revelation 1.5, Jesus Christ, the ruler over all the kings of the earth. He's the king of kings. He's the highest potentate. He is the ruler of all rulers. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. By the way, that was one of the challenges that the first century apostles had. Is, is they, as they began to preach another king, his name is Jesus. And Caesars, they, they didn't like that. They, they didn't like when the apostles started challenging the authority of Caesar. They, they didn't like that. Why? Because, well, Jesus, they, they started teaching that there was another king and his name was Jesus. And that they were only going to bow their knee to Jesus Christ. Their, their allegiance ultimately was to Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord. So he is truth. You're going to see in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, I'm laying out a foundation for the next six weeks. You're going to see a conflict between truth and lies. Jesus is truth. Watch this. You're going to see a conflict between life and death. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. You're also going to see a conflict between ultimate authority, between Jesus as king and all the rulers and powers on the earth. What is Jesus doing? Let me give you a couple things and we'll close. Number one, he's loving us. John, Revelation 1, 5, to him who loved us. The love of God is so rich. It's powerful. God loves us in spite of our behavior. He loves us. He loves us. And he died for us on the cross. Thank God that I don't have to be good enough to approach God. That I can come to God in all my good and all my bad. I can come... 
to God with all my failure, all my success. I, in other words, we come to God. He has loved us. Number two, he's setting us free. Revelation 1.5, he's washed us from our own sins in his blood. Notice the words, we are saved from our sins by the blood of Christ. What you're going to see in the book of Revelation is that mankind, that man has always tried to save themselves from the beginning. That there's a struggle between man-centered salvation, where man through their good works, you ask the average person today on the streets globally, regardless of their language, are you going to heaven? Well, I, if, I mean, I, get, I hope so. Well, how do you get to heaven? Be a good person. Not according to the Bible. Being a good person doesn't get you to heaven. Being washed in the blood of Christ gets you to heaven. Surrendering to Christ gets you to heaven. Submitting to Jesus. Now, if you are a Christian, God changes your heart and you end up doing good works. But good works don't get you to heaven. Believing in Christ gets you to heaven. Question, have you been washed in the blood of Christ? Have you been washed by the blood of Christ? John is clear. He's washed us from our sins. You don't wash yourself. You can't save yourself. Mankind try to save themselves from the beginning. And it's futile. You can't save yourself. Oh, you may make a change here or there, but you can't save yourself. Jesus is the Savior. Three, he's given us a new position and purpose. Look at verse six. He's made us kings and priests under his rulership. Right now in the earth, God has made you under him, watch this, royalty. Not to rule over people, but to rule over the flesh, over sin, and over the devil. Right now. He's made you a kingdom of priests. The king of kings and the Lord of all. He's the king. We submit to his authority. There is a conflict, my brothers and sisters. You're going to see it so clear between light and all that you see in our culture today. It's a clashing. You know, it's interesting. I, I, was, I was looking at this week, actually, a weather uh, person, and I was looking at the report, and they talked about a northern boundary and a southern boundary, and they, they talked about the clash, and we've been under this clash. Matter of fact, I, I know our campus in Atlanta, a little bit different in Mississippi, similar, but we've, we've, we've been under a clash of a northern, a, a, fr a frontal boundary, and a, there's a, and the, the weather happens right there often when there's a clash. By the way, there's a clash between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. It's a clash. We can see the world quaking right now. We can see that in geopolitical realities. We can see that in what's going on in the streets of America, all over the place. The pain, the hurt, the shame. The, uh, there's so much. Well, oh, pastor, that's happened forever. Yeah, because there's always been a clash, but I believe it's heightened even now. But God has given his church the authority to make a difference right now before the Lord returns. God has given us purpose. He's given us a position. So let me end with this. Pastor Steve, as we go in the book of Revelation, should I be full of faith? Yes, 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 and a thousand times yes. Yes, 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 my brothers and sisters, friends, listen to me. I don't know when the Lord's coming back, but I, I know this. I know that I want to trim my wick. We're going to talk about that. I want to be filled with oil. We, we, we're going to talk about that. There's, there's five foolish virgins. There's a... There's a 
a whole parable about this and five wise, those that are filled with oil. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, this is a day and age to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be on fire for God. I'm going to give you two things and then we'll close. And I'm going to set up the whole, how many of y'all excited about this study? Y'all fired up about this? When I talk about, when I talk about, there's so much to get into. Let me give you two things and we'll close. I got, I got to stop myself because I can get into next week's message and next week. Number one, do not fear. Verse 17, but he laid his right hand on me saying to me, do not be afraid for I am the first and the last. Jesus came to John and laid his hand on John. He said, John, I'm going to show you some things. And, and, I, and I've called you into the battle, John. By the way, Jesus has called us into the battle. He's not called us to retreat and wait for the rapture. He's actually called us to be salt and light and occupy till he comes. To make a difference for Christ. Those that need Christ. Your loved ones that need Christ. Your, your relatives that need Christ. Your neighbors that need Christ. I want to say this. The greatest, thing to the greatest thing to deliver you from the fear of man is to be baptized with the fear of God. When you're baptized, when you fear, when you, what does it mean to fear God? To be scared of God because he's unpredictable in his nature? No. To fear the Lord means to reverence God. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the hatred of sin and evil. And the, and the way our, our whole world is living under the sway of manipulation of public opinion and the fear of man, they become convenience-driven, and they have not conviction-driven. Do we live by convenience? Do we live by comfort? Or is it conviction? Thus saith the Lord. What does the Lord say? John would say, do not fear. Do, do not fear. And number two, he would say, resist conformity. With a smile on your face, push back on the pressures to conform to the values of society that contradict the Word of God. You guys remember in America when you used to get extra credit for serving Christ? You guys remember that? That's a good man, honest man, Christian man. Today, you might get a demerit for that. Are you going to serve God whether you get extra credit or demerit? John is going to teach us in the book of Revelation. He's going to teach us that, that we've got to resist conformity. What does that mean? That means I'm not going to let the values of, the, the, the values of life tell me what marriage looks like, what, what, what my kids, what my future. I'm, not, I'm, going to let, I'm going to let God's word define reality for me. I'm going to let, what, I'm going to let God's word define I'm going to let God's word define hope and a future. We got to let God's we're going to let God's word define what is salvation. Revelation 12:11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. This is the theme we're going to go over and over. And by the word of their testimony they did not love their lives even to the death. We're not going to capitulate to culture. We're going to be Daniel's and Joseph. We're going to make a difference. We're going to make a difference in the business world. We're going to make a difference in the media and the arts. We're going to make a difference in the athletic world and stand for God. We don't believe in escapism and we don't believe in capitulating either. We can stand for Christ. We can make a difference. We can make a difference for Christ. All the way, whenever the rapture happens, 
We can make a difference for Christ. We can make a difference for Christ. The first century Christians made a difference for Christ. Second century Christians made a difference for Christ. I'll never forget at Tulane University, it wasn't popular to be a Christian. Oh, man, they thought I lost my mind. 1987, 1988, Steve, what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Actually, I did lose my mind. I now have the mind of Christ. I'm, I'm a Christian. You're right. I, I now am a, I'm a Christian. I, I'm a Christian. My brother told me, you're going to be back. Back to what? What am I going back to? I'm going to tell you something, guys, in our culture. The line is getting real clear in the sand. Are, are you serving God or not? Are you serving? Do we serve God just because it's convenient? Just because, well, you know, it's a nice thing to do? Or do we really love Christ? Are we in it? Not to win it, but are we in it to love him? To love him, to make a difference for him. I'll close with this, Revelation chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Let's look at this one final passage. Man, I got so much to say. His head and his hair were white like wool. John saw this. As white as snow and his eyes were like a flame of fire. He saw Jesus. And his feet were like fine brass as refined in the furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. <clears throat> the Bible says that John fell to the ground when he saw the Lord. He saw the majesty of Christ, the power of Christ. Oh, man, and he was overwhelmed by that. My final question is, do you, do you know Christ? Do you adore Christ? Do you, have you ever seen the majesty of Christ? You're overwhelmed. You're overwhelmed by that. Do, 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 do we understand who Christ is? Do we see him who he is? We're going to see in the book of Revelation. I say this so, so, so respectfully, but that Jesus is not coming back as a suffering, surfing lamb. He, he's coming back as a, as a roaring lion. He, he's, he's not coming back the same way he left. Are y'all with me? He's, he's, it, listen to me. Listen to me. It's, it's, do you believe in just a mild manner, culturally appropriate Jesus, or do you believe in the lion of the tribe of Judah whose eyes are filled with fire? His eyes are filled with fire. Who will break that addiction off of your life. Who will break that sin off of your life. Who will give you future. And he'll give you a hope. He'll speak into your life. Do you believe in that Christ? Do you believe in him? I don't know what's happened over at Church of the King. That pastor's lost his mind. Absolutely I've lost my mind. I have the mind of Christ. How about you? Do you have the mind of Christ? Or do you have the mind of the world? Taking your cues from the world. I'm asking you that. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but we need to be ready. I'm going to ask you over the next six weeks to stay with me. I'm going to talk about all kind of stuff. I'm going to deal with all kind of topics. But we're going to keep Jesus number one. The whole theme is he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's coming back. Come on, how many of y'all looking forward to that day? He's coming. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads. Everybody to bow their heads. If you do not know Christ, I'm going to take one minute. This is very important. I'm going to ask everybody to stay seated right where they are if they can. If you're not sure about your relationship with God, you're not sure if you die today, I'm going to pray with you. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? He loves you. He wants to wash you. He wants to forgive you of your sin. He wants to deliver you from that addiction. He's a good God. 
The Bible says whoever calls upon that name, that name of Jesus, shall be saved. In just a moment, the count of three, I'm just going to ask for a show of hands. Pastor Steve, pray for me. I need Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me, and to make me new. If that's you, with everybody's head bowed in clouds, eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three, quickly hold your hand up high so I can see. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you right there. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you and you as well. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, sir, right there. God bless you up top. God brought you here today, buddy. God bless you. Jesus loves you. I'm going to ask everybody with their heads bowed and eyes closed. Church family, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ right now. Can we do that? Let's say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. Such an amazing time together in church today. And if you're here today and you're giving your life to Jesus for the first time, that's a big deal. And we just want to say congratulations. That's amazing. Welcome to the family of God. That's right. And hey, we know that this is a journey and we would love to come alongside you as your church family and answer any questions that you may have about what it means to follow Jesus. And the easiest way that you can let us know that you've made this decision is by clicking the link in the chat room right now. And one of our pastors would love to reach out to you and get you those resources that you need. Yeah, and if you're here today and you know some people who maybe have the question, is this the end? I wanna encourage you to share this message that you heard today. Maybe somebody that you know really needs to hear the words that were spoken today. Well, hey guys, we love you. We had such a great time in church with you. We'll be here next week, same time. Same place. Love you guys. Have a great rest of your week.